with FMAC, Fellowship Metro Atlanta Churches, where we had a divide where at one time we were, we had more whites as pastors a part of FMAC than blacks. And then all of our white pulled out. It was a really a conspiracy and by, led by one pastor. And I got up that morning, that next Sunday morning, and I blasted it in the message. I mean, I just let it all hang out. I began to talk about racism. I began, you know, some of you kind of remember that. And when I finished preaching that message, uh, and I talked about all the uh, successes and accomplishments of black people and all of that, and at the end of the message, the congregation stood up and began to give me a standing ovation, applaud, everybody was all excited. And I, and I thought about it, and the Lord convicted me. After all of that accolades, I was convicted. And when I was convicted, I ended up going back into my prayer closet. And Lord, what, what, why am I feeling so heavy? What is this burden that I'm bearing right now? And he said, uh, he said you're doing that, and you're seeding into the pride of individuals. And even in your expressing what you're expressing, you're not really uh, expressing humility. And he said, I want you to take time now and talk about my love and talk about humility and, and begin to display my spirit before the people. And when I did that, it took me months, one message now, it took me months and months of preaching on love and, and, and humility in order to bring people to the place whereby we began to look not just at the things that were happening or the wrongs that we had suffered but to begin to see people through the eyes of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be talking about some things in the future, uh, but in the meantime, I just want to put strong emphasis on the fact that we as the church, we as the people of God, must be a people that will demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. And we are to operate by a different spirit. We are to take even our pain and translate it into passion into we are to take whatever might have happened, and if anything, we must see them through new eyes as a result of who Christ has made us to become, is making us to become, and what we're yet being molded and fashioned and becoming. So uh, I'm using as a title this morning, Embracing the Reality of Life is the title I'm using. Embracing the reality of life this year is embracing a greater purpose. And now when we talk about a purpose, we have to understand there's a life that must fulfill that purpose. And uh, we must understand, we talk about, in Black History Month, yes, it's true, black lives matter. But I'm going to take it a step further. In fact, I was talking to a group of pastors, predominantly white pastors, and I was telling, well, a pastor in particular, and he was taking issue with that statement, Black Lives Matter. And I said, I understand the movement. I understand what might be said through the movement, and I take issue with much of what is said through the movement, but still don't deny the fact that a statement is being made that's true, a true statement, and it's ours to interpret that in such a way that People will understand not just the movement, but understand the message that black lives do matter. And I told him, and I told some other pastors the same thing. I said, the truth of the matter is, when that statement is made by those that are of the world and those that do not understand Christ and do not have a Christocentric 
point of view, what they're really saying, their statement is really a question. And the question is, do I really matter to you? Do I really matter to you? It's really, whenever a statement is made, as a Christian, we are not to just interpret the statement as a statement. We're to interpret it as a question because people oftentimes express their hearts based upon the questions that they ask. You can understand where they stand based upon their questions. So uh, in this, that's why the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask God. And that's what prayer is all about. When we pray to the Lord, we, we are praying for the most part, we're thanking him, but much of our prayers is asking God questions. Lord, I do not understand this. I do not understand that or the other. But yet God is here to give us understanding of the things that we do not understand and give us a new perspective on all things. So with that, the, now I'll personalize it as we look into this message. And my statement is, do your life matter? You see, now that question is taking it from the question is, do we matter? Do black people matter? Whatever. But my question is, do you matter? And then, and I'm not saying asking that question to others. That's a question you must ask yourself. Do I really matter? And in this day and age of suicide, suicidal, people having suicidal tendencies and many people engaged in, in feeling worthless and abandoned, uh, that question is a real question we must ask ourselves. Do I really matter? Do I really matter? Now, as we begin to look at that, you look at that, I'm going to get into the scripture after a while, but as we look at that, we understand that we talk of any matters of life, uh, any issues of life, we're speaking philosophical. This is a philosophical question. Uh, what is life? Uh, what is life really all about? What should life really mean? And, and, and we're taking a deep dive into an understanding of what life is when we ask philosophical questions. But here's something else about a philosophical question. Here's what it requires. It requires for you to think. It requires you to think. Now, think about this. You came to church. You heard the worship service. And, and, and you see, worship and praise, whatever we may do in church in order to, 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 to come uh, in the presence of the Lord. But many people come to church not to think. They come to church to feel. They come to church to feel. They said, I came to feel. I, I had to think all week long on my job. I had to think all day. In school, my brain is, is hurting because I had to concentrate so hard on my subjects. And you, you see, we get to the place where thinking is something that we must engage in every day, all day long. And we finally get towards the weekend. We say, Lord, I want to shut down and stop thinking. And then I come to a church like this one. And I'm required not only to think, but to think more deeply than I was thinking even when I was in school, even when I was on my job, while I was engaged in business. It's requiring a deeper level of thinking when we come to a place like this than ever before, any other time. So what do you do? So, so a lot of people will go to a place and they'll leave this kind of environment. In fact, I'm telling you the truth. I've had that happen. I've had people come tell me, reason I don't come to this church because y'all too deep. 
Y'all just too deep. Y'all, y'all just, I mean, you, you deal with stuff, man. You, you get me to a place. I, I don't feel, I don't feel that. I don't feel you guys. But, but really the problem is people would much rather other, for other people to do the thinking for them rather than having to think themselves. So what we're doing, see, when you get into the Word of God, it'll teach you, first of all, it'll teach you what to think, how to think, how to reason, what to reason about. All of these things are given to us by God. That's why he says, come, let us, what, reason together, says the Lord. So he brings a place where now we engage in reasoning, and not just an emotional high, not just engaged in an emotional frenzy, so that now we're at a place where everybody's excited and happy and whatever, and, and then you go in. When you get a people like that, you can pretty much uh, uh, put any kind of doctrine before them, and they will receive it because when you're being entertained, that word, look into that word real deeply, you'll begin to see. You cut your brain off. You do not engage in deep thought when you're being entertained. You see, that's when you take a vacation. That's when, oh, I'm the wrong day, am I not? This is Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> but, but, but how many, you see, you, you think about the fun. Who's going to win? Who's about the wings? <laughs> you don't be thinking about, well, well, what's about life? Issues during the Super Bowl, on Super Bowl Sunday. But here you are now. You came to the, the right place, a wrong place to some of you. <laughs> because I'm going to talk about life issues on Super Bowl Sunday. You see, the thing that he wants us to do is to take an assessment of our lives, to take an assessment of our lives, to take an assessment of your life as this meaning. Now, now we go into the Scripture. Look at what Paul said here in the 8th chapter of uh, Romans. He said, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. Now understand, life, you will live. So if we look at what he is really saying, and he said it on other occasions too. I like that word when he says, we are debtors. We are debtors. We owe this life. We owe this life to another. We owe this life that we're living to another. Because it came, it came to us. It came to you. It came to me from another. The life that I have, and particularly, first of all, let's look at even the beginning of life. We're talking about before you're born again, because we speak of life, phases of life, before you're born again. That life did not just come from you. A parent just can't take credit. Even for a mother, father can't even take credit for their own children, because God blessed us with children. Life is sacred. Life is sacred. We talk about does life matter? You say, yes. When it comes to that particular statement, yes, I'm pro-life. I am pro-life because life matters. So now, when we think about it, so it came from another. And then if we look at the life that we receive from the Lord after, you receive that life initially from the Lord, and then when we're born again, it is saying 
it comes from another that is from a kind from a kind that's not common to us because we understand the life that we receive in the beginning when we first receive life when when we have breath when we're born the first time we come through our mother's womb you see the bible helps us understand that we were born in sin and we were fashioned in iniquity so this is sinful flesh because we inherit sin you see, when we are born the first time, all that your ancestors were, you have their blood within you. you. You have their blood within you, so you inherit their legacy, their history. You inherit the history of your ancestors. So it is saying, and it goes, you say, well, a lot of people like to study on ancestors. They go back, they say, let's trace our roots back to Africa. No, let's go all the way back. Let's go all the way back because now we understand the commonality of all human beings. We go all the way back to Adam and Adam's sin. So I don't care what, what, what culture or what race you may, you say it's a human race now, but whatever uh, group, how you may be grouped together, we all go back to Adam. And since Adam sinned, we all have sin within our members, so we are sinners. Do you see that? We're sinners. So now, with that, we have what's called sinful flesh, which meant that sin resides within this flesh, the flesh. But, but, but here's what happened. What happened, salvation came from another. You see, he was in the likeness of sinful flesh. It was in the similitude of sinful flesh, but he was without sin. We're talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came looking just like us. He looked just like the rest of us. You see him, he had hands, he had, he had feet, he had, if you look at him, you couldn't tell any difference between him and any other person. But the difference was that he had no sin in him. That's Jesus Christ, no sin in him whatsoever. So now when we look at him, at Jesus Christ, I, I, begin, to, I begin to pray and, and, and the Lord begin to show me something because as we're born again, it has to take a body only a body can possess a, 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 a soul. You see, in order to have a soul, you must have a body because the, the soul resides within the body. The soul resides within the body. What is a soul? You guys have been with us while long enough to know. The soul is what? The mind, the will. See, y'all know it. The will and the emotions. So we think about the mind, the will, and the emotions. That must be expressed through a body. So now we look at God who is a spirit. And you said, so now God is a spirit. Does God have a soul? Does God have a soul? Yes, he has a soul. God has a soul. So now what we begin to look at, we begin to see the soul of God expressed in a human body. We begin to understand his mind. The mind of Christ given expression to, the, the will of God, the mind, the will, and the emotions, all expressed through a human being. Yes, beforehand, we, we, we begin to see something of it, but now we begin to see it, it manifest in its fullness through the person of Jesus Christ. He is the soul of God possessing the fullness, not only of, of having the, being the soul of God, but he also possessed the fullness of the Spirit of God. Now the life of God is given expression or full manifestation through the person of Jesus Christ. So, so, so now, look at what we see now. We see God 
in the flesh. You see that? We see God in a person, but yet we understand God's personality through the person of Jesus Christ. We see the soul of God. You see, we understand what, what is he thinking, what he's all about. Now, we heard it prophetically when the prophets would speak of it. All through scriptures, it was prophetically spoken of through the prophets. But now we see it fully expressed through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, isn't it amazing? When you read scripture, when they say, God said, these were words that were spoken prophetically. God would speak through an individual. I say unto you, is God speaking through an individual. But now we see it personified in a person. And the person is the person of Jesus Christ. So now, I'm saying all this to bring you to a place of understanding. Now, here we are. We begin to see the contrast between our self-life and spirit life. Our self-life and spirit life. Now, 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 we talk about, now, we can only contrast that when we see Jesus Christ, who is the, uh, the personification of God, we see the personality, we, all the things I mentioned, we see the soul of God, all of that in the person of Jesus Christ, but now we see self-life. We see the sinful flesh. We see man who has sin within his members that go all the way back to Adam and Adam's transgression. When Adam sinned, you see, man then carries within him the, the, the DNA of, of Adam. So, so now we see self-life in contrast to spirit life. We see spirit life, but, but self-life is the thing that causes death. It causes death, you see, because we understand that with sin, wherever sin is, sin causes death. Death could not have occurred unless sin had occurred. Man was made to live forever, but because of sin. And, and I was thinking this morning, I was meditating on it. Suppose you took you took death off the table. Suppose you just took it off the table. Said, now, what happens? Whatever you do, however you do it, you won't die. What kind of life do you think we live? Just, just take it off the table now. Just think about it for a moment. Just do whatever you please, however you please, and, and do whatever you want to do with and to whom <laughs> you want to do it. And you take death off the table. What kind of lives do you think people would live? Huh? Wouldn't it be a mess? Wouldn't it be a mess? So what the Lord did, he drew some lines of demarcation. If you cross this line, this will kill you. If you do that, this will bring an end to whatever would be in your heart as a result of your doing your own thing, your own way, contrary to the will of God. So God says, so you see what death is now? Death is an enemy, but look at what it does now. It serves a purpose. He says, now what I will do, I will bring an end to those things that you would otherwise do. You can only do it for a certain period of time. But then, you understand, the rebellion that took place before man came on the scene, what was, was the angel, you see, we, we see Lucifer, and he prepared hell not for you. Hell was not prepared for you. Hell was prepared for Lucifer and the fallen angels. He says, but what I will do, first of all, if you operate in that which is forbidden, you shall surely die. But the thing that motivated you to behave is the one that hell is prepared for. So you align yourself with hell. So you align yourself. It wasn't God's will that any should perish. But, but understand, when you align yourself with hell, then you 
align yourself with the consequences of the rebellion that took place, even uh, with Lucifer, who became Satan. So now, with all of this, we understand. So that's death. The Bible talks about that, but understand what happens and what sin does. Let's look at the process that takes place with sin. Let's look at the process because the process that takes place with sin is that it begins in the realm of the soul. We mentioned Jesus Christ as being the soul of God. It begins within our souls. It begins with our soul. Now, what he's saying here, the, the soul dies, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You just don't feel like it. You just don't feel like doing what God have you to do. You see, if this is what God, this direction God want to take you, but I, look, it's contrary to what I want to do. You see, Lord, you're trying to force me to do something I really don't want to do. You see what happens? That, that's what sin does. And, and if you begin to trace the emotions, I, I don't feel it. Now, if you begin to trace the origin of what you're feeling, if you feel this way, you'll begin to see that violation. You'll begin to see where a line has been crossed. Something has happened in the individual's life that has caused that gradual process of death to occur within him or her. They didn't just die. You see, the soul that sinneth, he shall die. Death shall die is future tense, but the process of dying, you, you see, that's what he's in dying. That's what uh, he said in one translation when he talks about, uh, when he gave the prohibition, he says uh, that the day you eat of it, you shall die, surely die. That word is translated, if you go back into the Hebrew, in dying, you shall die. In dying, you shall die. The process of dying shall lead to ultimate death. But the process of dying is things, we understand sickness, disease, and infirmity, but let's look at it this way. Feelings, minds, will, and emotion. You don't feel. You don't think. Therefore, it is not something that you would rather participate in. You find yourself not willing to do the will of God. You'd much rather be doing something else. The Word of God doesn't affect you the same way. You look, for op you look for options to what God is speaking. You see, you begin to find places that will accommodate you with whatever your feelings or beliefs or, or, or belief systems may be. You see what happens? That's what the enemy does. So in dying, you shall die. You begin to lose that cutting edge. You no longer feel the way you used to feel. You see, and, and that's when people start pulling away from the Word of God. I, I, I really, I, I had enough of God's Word. You see, it's enough. You, you mean you're trying to get me to go to church? I mean, you see what happens? You're trying to get me to go to church. You're trying to get me to listen to some, some lecture on God and, and, and on how to live my life. You don't, nobody tell me how to live my life. Nobody tell me what to do with my body. Nobody tell me how to spend my money. Nobody's to tell me about anything having to do with me. I am my own man. A woman says she's all her own woman. You see the independency that, that in dying, you shall die. In dying, the enemy begins to whittle away at various parts of your life. And you begin to gradually uh, move away from God. Even if you set, even if you grasp hold of a religious system, it's still not that which God has ordained for your life. So the soul that sinneth or continues to sin will eventually enter into a state of permanent and perpetual death. 
Because if I said death, if death was the cessation of all activity, then you would say, that's good. I finally brought an end to the, to, to the misery that I'm in. But let me tell you something. When he said, the soul that said this shall die is perpetual. It is a perpetual death. It is, can you imagine, constantly dying rather than just dying. Your, con your concept of dying is the cessation of life, everything stops, and that's the end. But when he talks about dying, you shall die, it is saying that you, you die so that you've lost your sensitivity, spiritual sensitivity, but you still have what? Mind, will, and emotion. Your soul is dead to the Word, is dead to the things of God, but now it's only uh, subject to and alive to those things that are uh, uh, that God has rejected and the things that God despised. That, that's something. I can't even imagine that. I know folks don't like about hell. They don't like to talk about hell. Don't tell me about that. Don't tell me about all that negative stuff because I'm trying to stay positive. But look, if you don't bring this up, I said take death off the table. Take death off the table. Look at how people will live. Look at what the church will be. Look at the church. If you take that off the table, look at what church becomes. It becomes something other than what God ordained for it to be, you see. So, so, so we have to bring to you the whole counsel of God. We have to understand the love of God, but also the wrath of God. You have to understand that, or you miss out on the whole counsel of God. So now, this is what he is saying. So, so uh, uh, let's understand something of sin. We understand the soul that sinneth, it shall die. We understand the wages of sin is death. We understand all of this, but it doesn't just have to do with known sins, but it also has to do with unknown sins, unknown sins. The unknown sins uh, contribute to the same end, and, and that's why we must be uh, taught. That's why we must be instructed, because we know, you see, uh, you, you may feel that you're, I'm okay, you're okay, because I don't drink, I don't, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't run with those that do. So therefore, I'm all right. You know, I stopped smoking, so I'm good. <laughs> you see how we try to minimize it? I stopped smoking. I was a smoker. I was a chain smoker. So, but when I came to that church, you know, or I received that religion, that religion, whatever that religion might have been, whether it might have been some other religion, whatever it was, but I received that, I stopped smoking. I stopped running around with women. And you say, so I must be, I must be all right with God. No. What about the sins you're not even knowledgeable of? What about things you have no knowledge of? See, what God does when you come in, you come in here, and it's like the light of God begins to shine. The, and, and, and what happens, He is showing you His glory. He's showing you the brightness of His glory. He's helping you to see things that you couldn't see yourself. You see, years ago, I used to go to these, uh, these concerts or, or, or dances, and, and they would stamp your hand. You, you, they stamp your hand with something, and, and, and when they stamp your hand, you couldn't even see it. But when you leave out, uh, in order to get back in, they put your hand under that light, under that blue light, and, and then they can see something, black light, black light. They put you, uh, <laughs> see, I was there. I was there. <laughs> you put your hand under the light, and, and, and then they, they, they'll, say, they'll say, you come on in. But, but if you ever tried to go by that light, you say, oh, y'all ain't paying no attention. I'm, a, I'm just going to walk, keep walking. They say, wait, no, stop. You didn't pay. What do you mean? I didn't pay. He said, 
we don't see, when we put the light on, on your hand, we don't see the stamp of approval. We don't see. You see, the same thing applies when the light of God begins to shine upon the individual's life. Do we see the stamp of approval upon us? Is that stamp upon us? And you understand, we will. So that's what happens. Come to church. That's the light. That's the light, the searchlight. God is saying, let me see if you, if you are sincere. I ain't saying perfect. Are you sincere about me? So I'll, I'll speak a particular thing and see how you respond to it or react to it. He said, so I'm putting you under the searchlight. He said, because in order to become perfect, you first of all must enter in. You see, once you enter in, then you can be perfected. But if you don't ever enter in, and he's talking about salvation now. We're talking about conversion experience, saved in order to be saved. He said, when the light shines upon you, how, or is it insulting, or is it enlightening? Does it, does, it, does it bring you to the place where you have a greater passion for Christ and you desire more to know him all the more, or is it a turnoff, you see, when the light shines? So that's what he does. So, so we mentioned, now, when you talk about emotions, emotions, I was just thinking about how we have to love the Lord with your whole heart, what? Your whole soul and your whole mind. And he also, in one scripture, talk, and your strength, and your strength, the strength of the soul, the strength of the soul. So, so, so as we begin to really die, let, let's say, go deeper into understanding this, this is what I began to understand that we mentioned the soul is the seat of the emotions. And, and, and there's much, you see, within the body, and there's much that resides within us, your heart. Now, when you talk about heart, he's not talking about that, that, that pump that caused blood to circulate within your system. He's not talking about that heart, the physical heart. But he began to use that as a comparison to what happens within your spiritual heart. What happens in your spiritual heart? When you talk about, you see, all of those things, he, he talks about the mind. And, and then if you begin to, I, I read some things, particularly now, this is uh, our anniversary, wedding anniversary. Uh, you ought to read some of the stuff, Songs of Solomon. He talks about his, how, uh, how, how the love was so deep that it moved my bowels were, were, were moved. And, and then he talked about bowels of compassion and bowels you, your bowels. <laughs> what do you think about? Talk about your bowels. You, you see, your, 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 you read, read it now. It's in there. It's in there. You, you move on. You, you say, you say, so in other words, when I get around you, I, I, I'm so much in love that, <laughs> that I'm looking for the toilet. <laughs> Baño in Spanish. I was in, I was in a, <laughs> in Mexico, and I learned one word. Eat that heavy food, that Mexican food. I learned that word, baño, baño, baño. Baño, baño, baño. <laughs> but let me get on back. But, but, but what happens? He said, moving the bowels of your confession. Let me tell you, because much of the energy, and I would say a lot of the frustrations that exist and reside within individuals that have not fully aligned themselves with the will of God. I'm not saying it's always the case. It happens within that inner 
being. It can be that those, those parts of the body. It can be bowels. It can be heart issues. It can be. You'd be surprised how your physical body is affected by your emotions. Your physical body is affected by emotions, and you wonder, say, why is the why are these things happen? Many times, it's emotionally charged. Something is happening emotionally that's causing those physical ailments to occur within your life, in your body. So, so with that, as you begin to align yourself more with God, look at what He does. Often, in many instances, you begin to see that is the antidote, the thing that really corrects those things within you that are, in fact, in need of correction. But then we look at the wandering soul, the soul that's wandering uh, another way, the wayward soul, the wayward soul, the wandering soul. person that's still, you see, they, they don't have any direction. They don't know east from west. They're just moving around, looking, trying to find themselves by themselves. No one can tell them anything because they're the know-it-alls, and they feel somehow they can literally pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. So the wandering soul. I looked this word wayward up. That word is very powerful. It, it means following one's own capricious, wanton, or depraved inclinations. Did you hear me? It's following one's capricious, wanton, or depraved inclinations. It, it also has to do with one that's ungovernable. You cannot be governed. There's no governor upon your life. Your soul is not governed. You see, in other words, you cannot submit. You cannot submit yourself to authority. Authority. And, and then when one is ungovernable, you see, if you're ungovernable, there are no clear principles. This is all part of this definition I looked up. It said no clear principles. You see, in other words, you feel this way today, you feel that way tomorrow. Uh, you may shift in the same day. It all depends who you're talking to. Well, do you agree? I agree with that. You agree with that? I agree with that. And they both are on two different uh, uh, ends of the equation. So, so unprincipled, unprincipled, or no clear principles. Not just unprincipled. You say, I have principles. I have morals. I have scruples. But no clear principles. What do you, what is your life really all about? What do you really believe? I'm not talking about what you would like to believe. What do you really believe? He says, so no clear principles. And then that person, that same word now, wayward, unpredictable. We say liable, liable to do anything. You don't know what they might do because they, they are not clear themselves as to what they ought to be doing. So now, in that, I'm not saying that person isn't in search for God, but they want to find God on their own terms. You define God on their own terms. They define God on their own terms, using their own terms, you see, along the path that they have independently chosen. They think God's going to show up. They say, God, meet me on this path of finding myself. I want you to reveal yourself to me. The, if you will eventually die over time, you see, because until you come to the place of embracing the true living God, you will eventually die, and no other choices are there for you to make. You see, you see, what God does. We mentioned, suppose death was off the table, but God has set time limits on everything that we engaged in. 
He said, this opportunity that you have right now will not always be here. There's going to be a time when you will look in retrospect at the opportunities that the Lord had afforded you, had afforded you. And you will begin to say, I wish I would have, could have, should have done something differently. I could have done something differently. And I, I mean, all of us have those regrets to a degree because I think about uh, certain opportunities that God afforded me that I did not, I squandered those opportunities. I did not take advantage of the opportunities that were in fact afforded me. And then when I look back at it, I said, well, praise God. But when I got my eyes upon the Lord, God redeemed the time. He redeemed the time. He made up. He began to compensate for what would have been a loss within my life. You see that? And that's what he does here. He said, but if I never had turned to him, then my whole life would have been a life of regrets. I would have looked back and I said, Lord, I wish I had received you. I mean, I thought, I thought these other things were more important than receiving you. I mean, making money, you know, and, 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 and running around loose with, 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 with women and all these other kind of things. You, you think that's life, getting, getting money, buying this and buying that and the other. When you begin to look back at it, you say, look at how much of a waste I've made of my life. That day will come now. And the older you get, the more you realize how important time really is. Now that I just turned 75, I'm thinking about it. I said, Lord, I am so glad that I didn't get caught up in a lot of stuff that I could have gotten caught up. But my warning to those that are 25 and those that are 15 and 20 and younger and even older, I said, don't. I, hopefully the wisdom of the, of my, uh, that I've attained can become wisdom to you so that you won't uh, make some of the same mistakes that I made. Because that's what instructor is all about. We tell you based upon some things that we have, in fact, experienced. So now, you see, uh, uh, all, all you have, uh, you see, all that you have done is eventually measured. Everything that you've done in your life will eventually be measured. measured. God will measure. He measure your prayer life. He will measure your activity, but it will not be according to your standard. It will not be, it's according to God's standard. Now we get to this whole thing of flesh, flesh, because the scripture talks about flesh here. And he talks about, uh, how did he put it, how he put it here? He said, uh, we're debtors not to the flesh. We're debtors not to the flesh, literally the flesh, flesh or fleshly living. That word in the, uh, I think it's Hebrew, sarks. It, it talks, well, Hebrew, Hebrew, uh, Greek rather, sarks. It means your, here, here's what we're looking at. It is your manliness expressed. It's expressing your manliness. Your manliness. I want to show you I'm a man. Your manliness or woman, your womanliness expressed. In other words, your natural inclinations. Your natural, the things that come natural to you. You don't have to even think about it. We mentioned you come to church not to think. Suppose you live your life not thinking. Then you do whatever you feel. Do whatever you feel. So the wisdom that you attain now in this life, here's something I want you to know. The wisdom that you're attaining right now, you can carry it with you into eternity. So there's one thing you can take with you. What you're getting right now, 
The devil don't want you to get it because he understands it. Because this is a weapon. This is the artillery. This is a weaponry that you can use against them. You can take this with you. You can take what you're getting right here, right now, in this place. You can take this with you into eternity. Now, all the other stuff you can't take with you. You got to leave it behind. Somebody else can have that or have to take it. But this you can take with you into eternity. So now, but the things, but there are some things that's required of you in order to get there, to get to where you really ought to be going or ought to desire to go. There are some requirements. You don't just, you don't just go to heaven. Heaven is a what? A prepared place for a prepared people. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. So God has to prepare us in order for us to be in a place that's prepared for us. So now, that's what heaven is. So now, how do we get there? First of all, the Word. Hearing the Word. Hearing the Word. Hearing the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So this is, you see how important this is? See how, if, if you really understood this, I mean, we would have to get loudspeakers and stuff all over, and, and, and it would be published. We would be on CNN News, and people would be so hungry for the Word of God that they would be, you, the press would be of such that people are pressing into it. But you understand what the enemy has done? He has lulled so many to sleep that they don't even understand and realize or recognize what it requires in order to live to live. Faith comes. Faith to live. Faith to live. Faith to be alive. And then faith to live. Faith to come alive. And then faith to live comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. As God speaks, then it becomes bread to us. We feast upon. We we live by that which God is in fact saying. So the word preach, this word uh, preach translated in the Greek is kerayan. Now, I am not a Greek scholar, but I'll spell it out to you so you can look it up yourself. K-E-Y-R-O-X-O-N, kerayan, which simply means to publish or proclaim openly. It is to publish the good news openly. So, who is the preacher? A preacher is an advocate advocating for God as a defense attorney would advocate for his client. That's what we're doing. We're arguing. We're going to argue the case on behalf of God. That's why you have to think. You don't go into the courtroom, you see, ill-prepared. We got some lawyers in here. We got lawyers in the house. They they back here. Yeah, here's a lawyer. Here, here's a lawyer. How do you you must prepare yourself before you present your case, right? So so you see, it's important that we do this. So a preacher must be prepared. We we because we're gonna advocate on behalf of God, advocating for God as a defense attorney would advocate for his client. That you see, we're saying in essence that's another way to live. There's another way that we're arguing that. There's another life provided for you. You don't have to just accept that life, but there's another life provided. 
you see, but, but understand, here's the people. They were too busy living their lives to hear anything about any other life than the life that they were currently living. In other words, the people didn't want to hear it. See, so it is the imperfections that cause one to wander in various directions. Now, let's go back to the scripture because we just have a few more minutes to share. But look at what he's saying here. He said, brethren, but I'm a debtor, not of the flesh, to live according to the flesh. And that's what they're doing, living according to the flesh. He says, but then Paul warned, for if you live according to the flesh, this is a guarantee. You're going to die. If you live according to the flesh, it's right here. You're going to die. But if by the Spirit, if by the Spirit, we contrast it now. Now we understand the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. The Spirit, if you go back into one of the, uh, uh, you go back into history, you'll begin to see where they thought, uh, one of the creeds, where the Holy Spirit came from the Father, then they said it came from the Son, and then it was compared, it came from the Father and the Son. When I began to look at that, I said, what is it really saying? In this particular creed, it's saying that it was the experience of the Son that was integrated into the Spirit that we receive. When we receive the Spirit, we inherit the experiences of Jesus Christ, all that He suffered, all that He had to live through. Now the Spirit takes all that history plus from creation because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Creator, of the Creator, now is integrated with all the experiences that Christ had gone through. And when we receive the Spirit inside of us, all of that resides within us. Isn't that amazing? That's inside of us. So now, he says, so now we've, re we've received the Spirit. We've received the Spirit. Now, Spirit doesn't die. You see, the Spirit doesn't die. Uh, you see, so, so if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. But it says, if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, listen carefully to what he's saying here. If you live, if by the Spirit, if, you see, first of all, you die the other way. But if by the Spirit you put to death. That's a qual it's qualified. If by the Spirit, you got to live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. So now what happens, I allow my soul to align itself with the Spirit. The perfect Spirit of Christ, I allow my soul. Now my will is to do His will. I desire, you see, now my desire is to fully align with His desires. It's no longer what I will. It's no longer what I want. I want to, you see, here's what I, I want to want what you want. That's a good way to put it here. I desire to desire what you desire. Right now, I'm looking around. I like this. I like that. I like the other. But I hate the fact that I like those things. You see, Paul talked about that in the seventh chapter of, of Romans. The things that I would, I would, would, would do, I do not. And the things I would not do, I find myself doing it. But you have to, you have to acquire a hatred for the things that may attract you and draw you in the wrong direction. But if you never acknowledge them, you'll never hate them. Uh, one preacher said many years ago, I think it was Isaiah Qualls, he said, God does not deliver you from your friends. 
He only delivers you from your enemies. So when you see a thing that's an enemy to God or standing in the way of your spiritual development, you must despise it. You said, I hate the fact that I still have this habit. Now, I understand, but I don't have the power in and of myself to stop doing these particular things. But now, watch what happens. But now, what do I do? I, I now allow the Spirit of Christ. <laughs> I allow the Spirit. If I want, yeah, I want the Spirit of God, Christ, within me to, to take full charge of my life. So now, what am I doing? Now my hunger for spiritual things ha- is greater than those detractions that I had otherwise. Because if I don't desire the things of the Spirit, if I don't desire the things of God, then I am preoccupied with, with sinful activities. You see, because you replace those things for something else. If I look to Jesus, if I focus my attention upon Him, He is the author and the finisher of my faith, then I can't tell you when those things fall away, but they fall away. If I fight them, they grow greater. They, if I fight them in my own strength, they gain strength. But if I focus upon the Lord, that's why I said, you fill your heart, your life with the things of God. How much meditation are you engaged in? How, how, how much of uh, the Word of God? How hungry are you? Here's what I was. I was desperate because I, I knew I had, my sins were great. Now, you see what I'm saying here? If my sins were not great, then a little dab would do me. Remember Brill Cream? It didn't take much. If my sins were not great. Oh, I'm, not, I'm a pretty good guy. I just mess up every once in a while. I just, you know, I do a little stuff, a little something, something. And, 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 and you see, it's not bad. So now, what I, all I need is, is a little bit. All I need is a little bit. I'll come in, I'll come in whenever I feel like it, or I might, I might just listen to a radio program. And I got my weeks, I got my, my, my dose for the whole week. But then when my sins are great, now, if you go back to St. Louis, they'll tell you about me. They'll tell you about me uh, at, at Bethesda Temple. I found myself coming to choir rehearsal. <laughs> And I didn't even join the choir. <laughs> I never joined the choir, but, but, I, but I come to choir. I, I just passed by because I feel the sin upon me. I felt, that, I felt that urge to do something crazy. Now, you, you can relate to that. I just felt, I felt an urge. I said, I just feel like I need to do something. I, you see, I'm delivered from it, but I feel that urge. I feel that urge. I feel like I'm, I'm about to mess up. So first thing I would do, I'd go to, I, I'd just hang around the church. Sometimes sit on the parking lot. I'm just telling you, my t- you ain't got to do that. But I'm just telling you, because my sins were great, and I knew I was desperate. I, 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 and then what happened, I remember when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I remember the great deliverance that took place in my life. So I asked the little ladies that tarried with me, I said, can I work in the tarry room with y'all? So here I was with a whole group of little, they'll tell you about it, it's true. They are, most of them are with the Lord now. But I was in the tarry room. I was with them. They all, they all 70, 80, 90, and then me. Let go. Let, yeah, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> that was me. But, but, but what I was really doing, I, I was really saying, Lord, refresh me, refresh me, refresh me. It was really not for the person that I was ministering to. It was for myself. I said, I need a refreshing. But, but, but the thing is, you see the desperation. I understand the scripture. It said, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then things begin to fall off. I said, you know what? 
I, it's been a long time since I felt like I wanted to do the things that I was, in fact, doing. It's been a long time. I said, I said in fact, somebody remind me, well, oh, man, remember you used to say, I said, well, you, you don't even remind me of that because I had really forgotten that I used to do all that stuff. You see? But, but it faded away because it was being replaced by that which was greater. In other words, I got so much of Jesus in me that I didn't want to engage in anything that would mess it up. Let me get on, because that's me, but, I, but you, know, you know my story too. Eventually, I became a little proud of the fact that I was, uh, I was right with God until I backslid. <laughs> you see what I mean? Had to be restored. But that was all a part of my lesson, a part of my learning. It's when I had to come back to the Lord after having fallen. And, and, and it was a long journey because I didn't think I could be restored. But God had to show me that he is so loving and so gracious even when you mess up. He'll restore the backslider. So now, look at the rest of this. He says, we're led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. We put the death into the body, but then we're led, led, led. You're led, guided, guided by the Spirit. Then you're sons of God. You're guided. When we finally get to the place of total surrender, then we allow the Lord to guide us, to be our guide. God, we walk with God. Our whole lives belong to him. There's nothing else. Yeah, somebody asked me, I think it was you, uh, Cortland, how to, it wasn't you, it was Pastor Thomas or someone else. No, I know it was. I know, it doesn't matter, but I just thought it was uh, Philip uh, was asking me, uh, Brother Philip uh, Mosley was asking me, he said, Pastor, how do you study? Tell me about your study life. Tell me how you prepare for your messages. And I, I began to tell him, I said, now there was a time I used to cram on Saturday nights for a sermon. I thought, give me a message, give me a message, give me a message. And I'm cramming for a sermon. And finally, uh, after being up all night long sometimes, I'll finally get a little something to put down and I preach it. He said, how do you prepare? I'm going to tell you how I prepare now. Living my life. My preparation is daily living. I'll write down whatever God is saying throughout the day, whatever he might be saying throughout the day. So then on Saturdays and Sundays and the other, it's a matter of reflecting upon my journey with the Lord. <laughs> my journey with the Lord. Not just for the week, but leading up to that moment. What is God saying to me and desire to say through me to those that would gather together? So these messages are really a matter of expressing the life of God, a life of Christ that I have experienced with him, you see. It is. So when I preach it, I'm not just preaching at you, but I'm sharing with you that which God would have me, in fact, to share. So I will say that happens automatically. That's over time. That's over time. But that's but let's look what he says. He says, so now we are the sons of God. Sons have to do it maturity, you see. Then you are sons of God. How much time did it bring me or us to a place of becoming sons or entering into sonship? That's process. 
that's process. But then the thing is, we must still speak to children. <laughs> My little children, that's a father. You see, it took a long time before I could accept that fatherhood. Now I say, my little children, my little children. I'm speaking to all of those that I'm instructing, my little children. He said, uh, but then he says, uh, uh, and he goes through instructions for the children. Many led your sons, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You got to look at those words. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Did you hear something? You did not receive the spirit of bondage again. What is it saying to you? Is that the law had to become real to you in order for sin to become real to you. So what happened, you found yourself in bondage. <laughs> in bondage. And when the word came, the word was fearful because you saw the penalties of sin as being relevant or being real. That if the wages of sin is death, that the wrath of God is against all ungodliness. If you don't understand that, then you will never fear. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. So there is a time when we must fear. I know the day's teaching is that is all taken, the wrath of God is handled through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Yes, that's, that is a, uh, an opportunity, or the Lord has placed that before us as a life that's available to all of us. But understand that even if he died, we doesn't necessarily mean that all have taken advantage of the opportunity provided for us. In other words, you could still be judged and subject to the law. Do you see that? Because if you have not received Jesus Christ, if you've not come under grace, under the covering of God's grace, and allowed the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you, which provides evident of the fact that you're there, then you're judged by the law. So now, watch what he says. You have not received, you have not received the, the, this thing that produced fear within you. You see, you've received the spirit now. You are, you've not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. So it is saying that you've been delivered. You've been delivered from the bondage to fear because now you have the spirit of love those that are born again. But if you're not born again, understand. I know people took issue with the sermon, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God, but that's Scripture. That's Scripture. He said, but uh, uh, he, he says here, he said, we, he said, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out with Christ, Abba, Father, recognizing him as Abba. That's a term of intimacy. Abba. That's like Baba. Papa. Abba Father. The Spirit Himself. And then here's a part that I believe that we need to understand. We can say that and not mean it. But it says, but the Spirit Himself bears witness 
with our spirit that we are children of God. If the spirit himself bear witness with our spirit, we're children of God, that meant that not only, you see, our soul agree with the spirit, but now our spirit agree with the Holy Spirit. We have aligned our spirit. You see, you're dead in trespasses and sins. Your spirit was, was dormant. You, you see, you, 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 were, you were dormant. You had, a, you had spirit, soul, and body, but, but it wasn't activated until it was made alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, so now your spirit by witness with the Holy Spirit that we are children of God, and if, children, if we are children, then we are heirs, and if heirs of God, if we are heirs of God, inheritance, we have inheritance, then we are joint heirs with Christ, that which belongs to Christ uh, belong to us. If indeed, but then it says, if, if, oh, I know you want to turn the Bible over and cut some things out, pages here, but it puts an if in here. If indeed, if indeed. I didn't write that. I didn't put that in the Bible. It's already here. I'm just reading it. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. A lot of that suffering has to do with people that do not understand who we are and what we've received. You see, the greater, I would say, the greater pressure will come from religious folk. You see that? Remember, scribes and Pharisees, Jesus had to contend with them. He said, but if we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So when Jesus is seen for who he really is, guess who else is going to be seen? <laughs> Little ragtag group of people that were written off by those that felt that you were old school and archaic, that you've lost your cutting edge, that you're irrelevant in today's society because we moved on to big and better things. But we will be glorified together. So you say, come Lord Jesus. Do you really know what you're saying? <laughs> Those, come Lord Jesus, show us who you are and where we really stand. <laughs> so Father, we thank you for your word and we honor you because we've come to understand or we're coming to understand all the more the reality of life. What life is, true life is, and what our lives ought to be. My prayer, Lord, is that your word will find its target within the hearts of each individual, that it will move them, that their bowels of compassion will be moved by the things that you're speaking to us. Lord, it's such a wonderful thing to know you such a wonderful place to be in, to be in your will. But Lord, we pray that all would do a deep dive, uh, come to a clear understanding of what this walk is really all about so that none are deceived. We understand these last days, deception is at its all-time high. But Lord, I would that none be deceived that will hear what you're speaking to us from this place. And Lord, continue to bring clarity, even to me, 
so that I can speak as I ought to speak. But Lord, it's all said and done. Draw hearts to you. Not to me, but to you. They'll hear me if they have a heart after you. They'll desire what you're speaking through me if they're a heart after you. In that, Lord, that which produce life within all of us, your word will become relevant to each and one that's drawn. So we give you the honor, we give you the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I always, these last few weeks particularly, I've left the altar open because I said, I want you to, if it's something that is spoken and you're saying to the Lord, Lord, I want this corrected in my life or I'm coming to a greater level of awareness of this particular thing that is not functioning as it ought to function and things that standing in the way of my growth, spiritual growth and development, by all means, you can come to the Lord and, and just speak to Him. This is how it's a prayer. So the altar is open, but those that need to come back to the Lord, those that struggling in an area of your life, challenged, and you need someone to walk with you and help you overcome these particular, I would say these strongholds or these setbacks within your life, that we have ministers here to minister to you, pray with you even here, so that uh, you can make the kind of progress that God would have you to make. So as we worship the Lord, and if you need someone to pray with you, the ministers will be standing here to pray with you. And if you want to release something to the Lord that has been in the way, by all means, the altar is here. If you believe this church is where you ought to be and you want to unite with Cross Culture Church, let us know that you are wanting to become a part of this church. We will receive you as well. We'll receive you. The ministers are here to minister to you. If you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come forward and, and receive. Uh, let one minister to you as well. But any of those areas, don't let the day go by without your having received what God has offered you this day.
Lord, we pray particularly for those who are infirmed, as we think of many who cannot be here because of some infirmity. We just pray for them now, Lord, that you touch their bodies and give them what they need at this particular time, at this particular hour, because their hearts are to be here, but yet their bodies, their frame has prevented them from coming. But yet, Lord, you know our hearts. You know our intentions. You know what each and every one intend to do and intend to become. So we pray that you reward them as being those that are yet faithful, even though they're not here in physical form. Because, Lord, we uh, know that you know all things know all things and then Lord those that are not a part of this particular ministry that are from afar or they may be a part of this ministry but they're not in this particular geographical location Lord we pray your blessings upon them because even as far as they're concerned they're those Lord who take value or they value what you have in fact given us and is giving us so Lord my prayer is that this will be a time where all will begin to look into the word the mirror of the word and see themselves as to where we really are in that Lord may you find faith in all the earth as the question was asked you asked many in the past when you come will you really find faith You'll find a people that's faithful, a people that desire you. 
with their whole hearts, with their whole lives. So we thank you for this. And even in the house, Lord, we release healing. Your healing virtue. If any's here, you're trusting God for healing, just stand where you are and we just release right now the healing virtue of God. We speak the word of healing to your body now in the name of Jesus. Come against the attack of the enemy. And we know, Lord, that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So as we speak the word, Lord, do that which only you have the power to do. And we thank you for the testimonies that will come forth by those that have yielded their hearts, their lives to you. And what you've done in this place, in this day, in this hour, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Let us now prepare hearts to give unto the Lord as we honor him with his tithe and offerings to the Lord. And, and we praise God for the opportunity and privilege of working towards that debt-free place that we desire this ministry to be in. And, and thank you for your blessings towards me because I want to use a part of that for that particular cause and that purpose as well to make sure that we as a people, as a church, are involved and engaged in causing this ministry to become debt-free. I just, I, I, I want to see that within a year or two, that we can be about using our resources not just for survival or for uh, just preserving ministry, but working towards advancement advancement. So Father, speak to each heart. Thank you for the faithful ones, and we pray for those that are challenged or have not gotten to that place as of yet, that they will begin to see through your eyes the significance of what opportunity and privilege you have afforded us with. Because this is your work. This is your church. This is your business, and we're your people to do to be engaged in your business, your work. So speak to each heart as we respond in faith to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 